0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Western Focus podcast, episode number seven. We are joining all of you listeners here today, following the start of the best of threes in the LEC. Some very exciting series there, going into the end of the first round robin of the LCS, and that means it's super week. Let's go! Let's go! Ooh, super week. Three games this week for the LCS starting on wednesday and then thursday and friday as normal same time so make sure you remember that but before we dive into that bean how you doing today
1: i mean i'm doing great man like i know i said this in week one and i'm gonna say it again seeing all this pro play going on it's it's a great time i'm tuning into every single game and enjoying every second of it
0: yeah it's definitely a ton of fun being able to watch the games play it makes me want to play like that that's the thing i do like dislike about pro plays the more i watch it the more it makes me want to play the game and i don't want to
1: play the game at all and then you but, play the game and you regret it instantly yeah
0: I, I play the game and then i remember why i don't want to play the game during like five minutes of the first game that i play <laughs> so there you go but anyways we're not here to listen to us rant about our experiences playing the game you're here to listen to us dissect western league of legends and we're going to start off with looking forward to the super week three days of games and there are a ton of interesting matchups and we're going to point out some of our favorite matchups that we're really looking forward to in this super week as the first round robin will end for the lcs the first game that i had that i wanted to look at and point out is the very first game of super week wednesday five o'clock p.m evil geniuses versus 100 thieves both of those teams are tied in second place at the top of the table with Cloud9, 4-2 and two on the season so far. Should be a very exciting game, very pivotal uh, to try to get the edge in that tiebreaker if that ends up being uh, one of the deciding factors later on in the season. Someday gets his revenge game potentially against 100 Thieves, and it's just going to be a really exciting matchup in general. We, these were two teams that we were both maybe not necessarily low on, but I think we had kind of some mixed expectations you know is double if going to be great is Bjergsen going to be great will EG be able to synergize together is FBI going to be able to step in and be a reliable guy on the bot lane for them I think so far they have been and it's showing that with their records so far I think everyone is stepping up to the plate for the most part and this is definitely going to be the premier matchup of the day if not the whole week which is maybe a little unfortunate depending on how you want to look at it but that's the first one that I got my eyes on
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's happened before and Great Minds Think Alike once again because that is my game to watch number one as well. Uh, apart from FlyQuest, who are kind of the, the cream of the crop, if you will, these two teams, of course, as you mentioned, are battling now for maintaining that second place in the league tied with Cloud9. But yeah, I think Cloud9, strength of schedule, they're up against Dignitas, Immortals, Team Liquid. So I expect them to go at the bare minimum 2-1, maybe 3-0 even. And then this will kind of be the, the deciding factor for these two teams who, again, as you said, both looking pretty solid. I've been, over time, kind of won over as a big 100 Thieves fan at this point. So I'll be rooting for their team to win. And, of course, also really excited for that closer versus someday an FBI matchup. See which of them gets to take that bragging right to, to beat their former teammates there
0: yeah i forgot to mention actually it's an uh, it's an fbi revenge game too so i'll be good for them also definitely could be some big moves for eg there if you believe in the whole revenge game thing And be what do you got if you have another favorite game to share with us right now
1: yeah so i know super week three days but i'm kind of cheating here because i'm gonna point out game number two on wednesday as well which is immortals versus FlyQuest. so now i know what you're thinking why am i putting immortals as my game to watch but here we go If we ignore that Dignitas is kind of looking soulless and Golden Guardians, who are also kind of at the bottom, but I think they don't really have a score that reflects their level of performance so far. I think they should be higher and hopefully they will be. But if we ignore those two, this is what on paper should be the number one team versus the number 10 team. So I see this kind of going one of two ways. Option one. FlyQuest does exactly what we all expect. They're going to completely dunk on Immortals and it'll be just fun to watch them smash. Option two. I'm going to do a a bit of a callback here to spring of last year in the LEC. Because if you remember there, Rogue were were at nine blowout wins to zero losses in the first round Robin of that league. And in their 10th game, that streak was broken by none other than the 0-9 Astralis who were right at the bottom looking completely dead in the water. So. If this does happen, I think it'd be absolutely hilarious to see that magnitude of upset here in the LCS.
0: Yeah, I think you got a little bit of the copium going on there, but that would be pretty legendary. I mean, and to be fair, Immortals has had a couple of wins. I think I think I predicted them 10th. Maybe it was 9th. I think it might have TSM 10th. But, you know, like you said, bottom of bottom of the league team, they found a couple of wins so far, which is more than I thought they'd be able to do probably by this point, like maybe one, but... They have a chance, you know, in, in in theory, maybe they've actually taken some games. Uh, something can happen there for sure. That's definitely going to be one that you expect to win, but upsets happen. Like you said, just said you talked about with Astralis, we've seen it happen before. So yeah, I think the second game that I got that I'm looking at is Team Liquid versus Evil Geniuses, the first game on Thursday. I think that definitely at the start of the season, this could have been a, a much hyper matchup than it it's going to end up being right now. Obviously, like you said, EG, 4-2, and two looking pretty solid. But Team Liquid's been a little bit of a mixed bag. The few games where they've looked really good, but they've also had those few games where they've looked really bad, especially Summit and Harry. I think they've been the ones who have been kind of prone to struggling the most. I think Pioshoek's had some pretty rough games too. But, you know, some, Summit really has not been looking good. He's had some better performances, and I think the I think it was the second game this last week had a pretty good game, uh, and Team Liquid kind of just stomped. But he he's been more of a problem than I thought he would be. Even if he was struggling, I thought it wouldn't be this bad. So that could still be an interesting game if you get the Team Liquid, who's looked competitive and has has had some dominant wins. But I think EG is probably still favored on that one just because they've looked a good bit more consistent than Team Liquid has.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was on the TL hype train at the start of the season, but I, I got off a long time ago. I'm, I'm not big on them anymore, <laughs> to say the least.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like Team Liquid just hasn't been looking too consistent. I think we both had them powering second at the start of the season. And in hindsight, that kind of seems a little bit silly now, but we both kind of gave that caveat of, hey, if Summit comes in and doesn't look like the regular season c9 summit he looks like the playoff summit then yeah that could be a big point for this team to struggle with or if harry and or jan both struggle coming in from academy and they're not you know maybe up to snuff for the lcs right away that could be a point of interest that maybe they start to stumble within i think in some sense i think summit is still the more problematic part just because when he's done bad he's done really really bad i think harry's had some uh, not too great performances either. jan has been a bit more consistent, I think, but not like a super amount. I think having a guy like Corda on in lane kind of helps you out with that too, which I think is a big benefit there. So yeah, we'll see if Team Liquid can come up and show a strong performance because it could be a very entertaining game if they do get that matchup. And then I'm also going to throw in a third game here, which is actually going to be on Friday at 9 o'clock EST. Golden Guardians versus 100 Thieves. Now, again, kind of maybe what you're thinking with Blue's game. How's that one going to be interesting? Well, I think Golden Guardians is actually looking pretty good now with Gory coming in. I believe they 2-0'd last week. Maybe it was 1-1, but I'm pretty sure it was a 2-0. Styxe and Huhi had a really good job. Stixey got rolling in both games. Gory had some really nice plays around the map. And it seems like maybe... With just that little bit of a step up in talent and maybe, you know, just overall being a better, well-rounded player from young to gory, Golden Guardians is starting to maybe find a little bit of a groove. They're going to have a very exciting game there with the 100 Thieves, I think, on Friday, if they can kind of keep this form from last week rolling into it. It's not a super easy schedule for them. But I think it could at least have potential for an interesting game. I certainly think it's more realistic of being interesting than IMT versus FlatQuest, just saying. But I think Golden Guardians actually has a shot. Um I think the Gory versus Bjergsen matchup is going to be interesting. I've talked about Gory a lot before in the preseason hype episodes that we were doing for power rankings and such, but that could be an interesting lane. We'll see if Stixay and who he can hold their own. Licorice has been really bad, unfortunately, so I don't give him a ton of hope against tenacity but maybe he can just kind of hang in there you know and then it's going to be kind of up to river to enable gory and maybe stick who he keep them stable if he can keep doing his thing around the map like he's been doing this last week as well so i think that could be a pretty interesting game as well
1: yeah i appreciate the call-up because i i definitely agree with you that golden guardians are overperforming what at least i was expecting and i think to some extent you as well where if, if we were to kind of put it in frame, I guess, in our power rankings, I think Golden Guardians are living up to what we thought Dignitas would fulfill and vice versa. We're Digger at the bottom and then Golden Guardians are kind of this sort of mid-range team, but still kind of performing well enough that they they have a shot of of kind of breaking into like perhaps top five, top six, that general area. So really excited to see what they can do against 100 Thieves.
0: Yeah, and this is why I was, like, super bummed out when Gory wasn't there for the first couple weeks, because, like, you know, they've actually looked good with him in there, and Young wasn't, like, horrible. He had, like, a couple of okay games, but you can tell the differences there right away with how the team's playing, with just the overall upgrade in the mid lane, just individually, let alone with how Gory's helping out around the map and stuff, so... I, I was really disappointed when he wasn't going to be there for those first couple of weeks. And I think, hey, you know, if, if they can have a good super week here, like maybe, I don't know their exact schedule off the top of my head, but if they can find a 2 and one I think that's a good sign for them uh, as a team to be on that upward trajectory. And like you said, kind of be in that spot where we thought Dignitas would be, they're just not having it. They also haven't had uh, Ignar to be their support. They've had Biofrost in, which that's a... Kind of surprising situation that there's still some of these teams that don't have their players in there. Like Ayla's still missing from a flyquest too, so a bit unfortunate with Dig. But I don't think Ignar's making that big of a difference anyways with them. If they're you know zero six now, I don't know how much of an impact Ignar's making on that bot lane or you know in general across the map to find them an extra win or something like that. Maybe one because I think they had a game against Immortals that they were winning and then they threw. Uh, yeah i think i think it was against immortals so maybe they could have won that game with a better support because there were a couple of times there where biofrost got caught out but that's like the only notable one off the top of my head
1: yeah interestingly enough if i'm if you don't mind i'm gonna segue my way into my worst game award here where that that game that you mentioned right there imt versus dig is is my worst game of the week nomination because kind of run through it a little bit here the first 15 minutes nothing really happens nothing noteworthy but then at about 15 minutes there's sort of this 5v5 and then imt get a kill they go for drake but the problem is that at this point the team is kind of spread out across the river two of them take the drake and jump over the over the wall and then two of them try to fight and die for no reason and then at this point dignitas kind of take the lead 23 minutes, they go into a fight again. They brute force their drake, get soul point. Perfect. But then less than 60 seconds later, Santorin randomly gets caught for absolutely zero reason. So then, obviously, what other conclusion is there than Dignitas starting the Baron? What are we doing here? Dignitas Baron, infamous. And they don't have their jungle. They lose Jensen in the fight. 27 minutes, they go Baron again. And then Spawn is over the wall for some reason. So Immortals kill Biofrost. Kill Armut, and then kind of play the game out. Get a five throw in a mid fight, siege to end the game. It's like that game was sort of a comedy of errors. Neither team really deserved a win. Both were just trying to throw the game away.
0: That's a that's definitely a good candidate for that game. I think. I think that the game I picked was a worse game. Not just because of like it was a huge throw or anything. It was just a stomp. This was like the. Ooh, was it G2 fanatic. That was G2 fanatic in Europe, right? That Hans picked Draven, yeah, and they just got stomped. I picked Fly versus Hundred Thieves for that same reason. FlyQuest just rolled over them. I think it was, like, somewhat close a little bit in the early game, but 20 minutes hit, and FlyQuest was just able to find a couple good fights and just completely steamroll over Hundred Thieves. It wasn't really close at all, and games like that are just kind of boring. You know, it's... It's one thing, you know, if there's a throw like that, you know, an IMT versus Dig, because at least, you know, there's some more action. There's some back and forth. But FlyQuest was just in complete control. And, you know, I think that was a surprise, too. Again, kind of basically the same thing as G2 Fnatic. Like, that was, that was supposed to be a hype matchup, you know, G2 Fnatic, two teams that could potentially be fighting at the top. And Fnatic just got destroyed. Same thing here. Both of these teams are fighting at the top, and FlyQuest is just clearly in another league. That not just 100 Thieves, but every other team in the LCS right now as well.
1: Yeah, they are time and time again proving that they deserve that top spot.
0: So then I'll go on to uh, my best game of uh, week three of the LCS, and it was Immortals versus Dignitas. Actually oh my because god! Because of the same reasoning, Dig had that huge early lead there, up four K gold at four tw- K gold at twenty minutes. Jensen was running the map, Santorin was running the map, but then immortal found Immortals found those couple of picks. Spawn got caught mid lane, then Santorin got caught mid lane. They got Baron, then Revenge catches Bio mid lane. And they got a, he got a big Cassante Q3 with a knockback onto him and Santorin mid, and then IMT just ran them down, and they won the game. It was a huge throw, but there was a lot of action. And I think compared to a lot of the games in the LCS this week that were pretty boring and stomps, that was at least an interesting one that it had a good length to it. It went like almost around like 35, 40 ish minute range and it was a big throw and it good on Immortals, you know, cause again, like preseason we're thinking, you know, dig should actually have a competent team and Immortals doesn't, but Immortals found a good win from a team that, you know, is probably better than them and they came back from a big deficit to do it. So good job, Immortals. Proud of you.
1: Yeah, I'll give you that one. It it was, it was rough to watch in terms of quality, but the entertainment value was absolutely there. It was, it was a time for sure. But yeah, I appreciate that you give it entertainment value, but I'm going to kind of go towards game quality for my best game award, which for me had to have been Fly versus Evil Geniuses, which for me, this sort of was the game, the first game all split where Fly didn't look completely unbeatable at all points in time. In that early game, I think EG deserves a ton of credit where they were really giving them a run for their money for about the first 10 minutes or so, where they could have potentially run away with it if they kind of played it a little smarter. I think that they sort of came out in every fight. There were like three fights that come to mind in that 10 minute period. Even one near Drake that fly started. It was a 4v4 and EG absolutely came out came out with the win there. And But then, unfortunately, naturally, Fly are sort of immortal. So, in their end, their immaculate play just sort of won them the game in the end. But I I do appreciate the fact that it was competitive. And so, I have to give that kudos to EG there.
0: Yeah, that was a fun game. And yeah, at least, you know, that was a sign that FlyQuest was actually, you know, not. This all-powerful team, even though they are kind of looking like it, still overall, it was good to see eg at least have like a little bit of a, a contest with them, even if it just kind of ended, you know, the the way that all quest games have ended, basically. Yeah. So with the best and worst games out of the way, we'll be going now into the MVP and LVP section. I gave my MVP at the end of the day to Spika. I think that Prince, you know, had a good argument again. He had a couple of great games, as he always does. He's probably the flashier pick being on the AD carry, but I just gave it to of because he's been performing just super, super well on every single champion he picks. He had the Amumu game last week against Cloud9, I'm pretty sure, and then he brought it out again this week. The Amumu was super clean. Sejuani game was really nice. His engages and ganks and fights are just basically always on point. I, I could just, you know get into some more specifics about it but i think with basically every player on FlyQuest, you know it's obvious that they could be in the running for mvp each week and i just don't really think there was a better option to pick from than anyone outside of them unless maybe you could go like double lift and then berserker i think had the one good game against tsm then c9 got destroyed by eg so i gave it to
1: spika yeah i i fully agree i think Shout out to one of our NRE community members, Julian, for saying that Speak is sort of the prodigy NA talent where he's he's one of those once-in-a-generation type of players. And I'm I'm happy to see him at free of TSM and playing for a team that can unlock his true potential. But kind of as you alluded to, I'm going to give the MVP to Prince on my end. Again, FlyQuest player, they're all really good. But for me, what what really stood out on Prince's play this week was that he only died a single time against 100 Thieves, and that's because he was diving Tenacity under double Nexus turrets to try and get a Penta, so unfortunate there, and then also died only once against EG since he literally flashed Gale forces into four EG members on Caitlyn and kind of gets killed, but gets two kills for his team with that play. So overall, I'd say in this week, he he, if you watch him play, he just had really good spacing, really good knowledge of where he is around the fight he was able to hit stay safe behind that front line and sure you can give the credit to the frontliners for protecting and peeling for him but in his kaisa game he on numerous occasions once he recognized the opportunity he would no hesitation alt in on three four different members and get a couple kills or at least pressure the, t- the enemy team away so i think it was just super good play from him as with the rest of the FlyQuest team and Special mention as well to that really wholesome jersey exchange he had with double I think this guy's just kind of a gem.
0: Yeah, that jersey exchange video was awesome. I, I loved watching that on Twitter. That, that almost brought tears to my eyes, too. And uh, I think that, you know, definitely, like I said, Prince is a great pick. And especially on something like the Kaisa or the Draven, which he hasn't played, but we've been seeing a lot in the LEC, you know, like like spacing is really big, you know, and being able to control where you are and Still figure out how do I get the most DPS out here while not overextending myself and putting myself into bad spots. Or on Kaisa, you know, like he had that huge play in the bot lane after I think it was a dragon fight against what was the second game? I forget. That was the 100 Thieves game, right? That was the
1: 100 Thieves game, I believe. So in that 100
0: Thieves game, he had that big play bottom where they're coming off a dragon and like Tenacity's kind of over chasing them. He lands the W onto double lift and dashes in with the ult and cleans up the three kills there with the rest of fly quests down there and it's plays like that where it's like you know yeah you can just ult in on kaisa you know but if you ult into the wrong spot you're going to get blown up right away you know so like it it does take skill on those kinds of adcs where it's like hey you know i gotta know where i want to ult i can't just like randomly toss my ult in there and just hope that i I live you know i gotta know where i want to go to best kite it out and move with them or it's like you know like i said on the draven You know, if you're playing Dream, you got to make sure you know your spacing. So you want to catch your axes, but you can't just randomly walk into those spots to catch your axes if there's going to be a risk of putting you into danger of dying. So definitely a great job by Prince on that Kai'Sa. That was a really cool play, uh, Bottom as well, that uh, stood out for me for uh, a best play that we're going to get to later that I did not end up going with. And then going into my LVP, I gave it to Blabber. I think that both of C9's games this week were very rough, both from the drafting and, I think, the execution of the draft that they did end up going with. I think the Nocturne game versus TSM, he was super bad early. They just didn't try any sort of plays with not just, like, you know, blabber ganking, but trying to combo with the Galio pick. They didn't roam at all. They didn't try to force anything in the side lanes. Blabber, I don't even remember Blabber pressing ult that much in in the early going when he first had it up. It was just a really weird early phase where they didn't really try to generate anything. And they basically just kind of got bailed out by Berserker getting that pentakill. And then he was just able to take over the game. And I think that was just really disappointing to see when you're picking a champion like Nocturne, especially with the Galio. You want to see that kind of combo roam and look to team up and try to take over the map. But it didn't happen, whether it was just literally a lack of trying or they just couldn't find anything in their eyes that was a good play. I think Blabber had really low impact in the early game. And then in the mid-game and as the game went on, he was able to find you know, some ults. But that's just natural because you're going to be team fighting. You know, it's not... It wasn't anything super impressive, you know, to find a, a risky pick, you know, or, or anything like that. He was just kind of ulting his follow-up in fights and turning the lights out. And then the game against evil geniuses with Sejuani was just as lackluster in the early game. Not a lot going on. And then when the late game comes around and they're fighting in these team fights, he's whiffing ults left and right. And it was that that game was really the more embarrassing one of the of the two. Again, it, it was kind of just like you have a JoJo Pune on Tristana, and Diplex on Jace mid lane. You got to try to help Diplex get through that lane, because otherwise, is just going to outscale, and and the Jace isn't going to be able to, to do that much, you know, with Diplex in lane. And Diplex has been losing a lot of the lanes he's been in on his own, and he didn't try to help him in lane. And then Fudge has the counter pick top with Gwen into the Cassante, and they didn't try anything up there either. That that whole first 20 minutes of that game was killless. There was like maybe a couple ganks that Blabber tried, and both of them basically got nothing. There was that one play mid where Jojo actually had like a nice, you know, kind of outplay on the Tristana, where he buster shotted them back, and then the E reset, reset his jump from trying to kill Diplex earlier and he was able to jump away with the buster shot to create the separation. So like Blabber did try that one play, but did he come back after that at all to try to abuse the flash being down or the buster shot being down? No. That was the only time he went mid that whole game, I think. So it was really disappointing, because Blabber's usually such a proactive guy, and they definitely had ways to be proactive, but he just didn't try anything. And then, like I said, that Sejuani late game was really bad with the ults as well. I was very disappointed with C9 as a whole, but especially Blabber overall.
1: Yeah, respect to you for calling out your your own jungler there on Cloud9, but I think to his credit, it's, it's hard for me to award this award to someone like him when Dignitas exists this week. And kind of when I was thinking about who to give this to, I was genuinely considering giving it to the whole Dignitas team this week, but kind of narrowing it down without beating the dead horse too much since we touched on this, I got to give it to Santorin. He just kind of did nothing. And in like the IMT game, he's the one that got caught and kind of started that swing in the other direction, which eventually led to the win for Immortals. And then against TL, he botched a top dive at 12 minutes and then just farmed all game. Like I, No exaggeration, he threw one ult and kind of just farmed where Even as TL was running down mid and taking in inhib absolutely for free, this guy was on Raptors, so I just had to give it to someone that was probably even less impactful than Blabber this week. Oh yeah, I
0: mean, it's just kind of like with FlyQuest, right? Like Obviously, FlyQuest is 6-0, Dignitas is 0-6, most of the FlyQuest players will be in MVP conversations each week, most of the Dig players will probably be in LVP conversations each week, which yeah Unlocked I mean, we've we, we beaten it you know to a pulp but yeah it's disappointing to see dig doing this bad because at first you could you could at least argue like oh maybe it's just strength of schedule they played some really tough teams but at this point you know like if you're zero and six like there's not going to be six teams that are like you know loops and bounds better than you like by by at that point you know there's going to be a game where or two even probably where you should have won and i guess that immortals game was probably one of them but they found a way to lose to immortals too so Maybe, you know, maybe they have a win, you know, in, in a perfect world. Maybe they have a win, but still much more disappointing from what we nah, thought it
1: would be. It's the Jensen and Odo Omni holding <laughs> hands going speedrun from first to tenth. It's, it's sad. It's I mean, that's it. Like, Jensen's
0: been okay. Like, it's not like he's been his, you know, like, peak Jensen self far from it, but he's at least had some performances to show that he's at least still competent. And like, you know, I said earlier in the Immortals game, him and Santorin are running the map. But then Santorin and, and Spawn kept getting caught out, and then Bio got caught once later on, and that all fell, fell to pieces. So, Alright, and for the final award for this LCS Week 3, it's going to be a special one. Blue had his uh, special award last week, I got mine this week. And my award goes to FlyQuest, the team of FlyQuest in the Evil Geniuses game, for having the best draft gap of the week. So the the draft broke down as FlyQuest B1 in Kate, first pick Caitlin, EG respond with the Lucian Vi, not even Lucian Nami, Lucian Vi. So they're already kind of showing their hand early. They want to really play, you know, early game, try to get the aggressive aggression going, and see if they can, you know, basically snowball, obviously. Now they did end up getting the Nami on the last pick before the second ban phase, but FlyQuest responded with the Lux and Amumu. So you get Kate Lux which is probably the strongest bot lane in the game right now, at the very least one of the strongest bot lanes in the game right now with all the shove and all the poke and the super long range. It's incredibly hard to deal with, even with having like some sustain on Nami because Lux has the shield too to kind of not necessarily counter sustain, but at least, you know, still prevent some damage uh, from coming in. But it's also like, you know, you're, you're at such a long range, you can probably even just not even have to worry about that too much with Lush and Nami unless, you're, unless they're dashing in. Um and then at that case, you know, you can probably assume, you know, you're even ganked and nick. like, oh, I can bind at that point because he dashed in now and the dash is down. Or I can throw out the Slow or their Caitlyn trap, you know, if you're, if you're good enough. Or at the very least, just E back as Caitlyn as well, just counter the dash, and you're probably still at range again. So I don't like the bot lane matchup for EG at all. I think FlyQuest really got the gap there. And then, like I said, I loved the Amumu pick earlier with Spika. He played it really well, but I also think it's just so much more impactful than Vi and has so much more potential to be impactful than Vi because, you know, mainly because of the ultimate, right? Like the Qs both offer the crowd control, the Ws and E both offer like some, you know, little light AoE damage, but the big difference comes in the ultimate with Vi just being able to, yeah, it's a point and click, but you're only locking down that one person most of the time unless like really scrunched up for some reason and you get that little mini knockback but the amumu ult can cover so so much ground it's a huge zone control effect there when you combine that with a Caitlyn trap setup and lux all of her abilities basically except for her w you control so much space in a fight against lucian Vi, and nami like i don't understand what what they're supposed to be able to do into that especially when vi goes in like oh she dashes in a straight line and then she ults in a straight line like if she goes in she's just a sitting duck for Kate trap a muumuu q lux q etc so i don't like it already from the start and then going into the second phase they get the jace pick uh for evil geniuses on the fourth pick on their side and that is a flex pick nice little flex pick there oh is the jace gonna go top or mid we don't know yet But then FlyQuest counter it with Scion top lane, which good luck moving Scion, because you have to put in so much resources top lane to move a Scion for Jace. And then they grab Aurelia, which Aurelia can just match Jace in the side lane no problem, and Scion can stay grouped with the team. So then at this point, EG just realized, oh my goodness, we have three AD champions and then Arnami into Scion, and now Jace is not going to be able to do super well into either one of those two matchups in the solo lane, so they just kind of have to pick Victor to have like some semblance of range and AP so that the Scion just doesn't stack armor. I just think that draft gap was so, so massive for FlyQuest. They have great engage, they outrange EG, they outscale EG. Scion's gonna have a free time top lane, and he basically did. And the Victor didn't really get to do a ton, but Vicla also did have that really nasty outplay in the lane where he set up the minion after the gank and he dashed on that minion and flashed and killed Jojo. That was really cool. Super, super, super draft gap right there. And that was my special award for this week. I think I had to point that out. Because as soon as I noticed that in game, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now.
1: And credit to EG for sort of winning the early game despite that. And then draft and fly quest combo just ended the game on their behalf there. And there you have it. That's LCS coverage for this week. Expect great things for next week, because we do have that Super Week coming up. But now it's time for the opposite side of the ocean in the LEC. And first and foremost, welcome to the BO5 playoffs to both Koi in Group A and G2 in Group B. And while this could come as no surprise, if we're talking at the start of the season, I think that after seeing Koi play so far, it's much less expected on their end. And it's still really good to, to kind of see them come back to that form, play like the defending champions they should be instead of that weaker version of Koi that we saw coming into the split. So jumping right in, I think we, we can start with Koi since they are those defending champions and sort of the more surprising of the two putting things in context. And first and foremost, it's really good for them that they're sort of using this opportunity yeah, they didn't have that great performance, but this is the ultimate way to distance yourself from that playoff choker identity they had back when they were a rogue, where they won last summer, they did the exact opposite what they were known for over the course of their few years of history, where they entered the regular season instead of being the regular season kings, and then came into the playoffs, which if you count BO3s as playoffs, and come in with that double 2-0 series, which really impressive, I'm so happy to see them in this form. As well, they sort of had that clean lane phase coming in, keeping up that part of the identity, but not so much the rogue time where they throw it 20 minutes. So, really happy to see this team play and make it into the BO5s here.
0: Yeah, it really was dominant from Koi, especially against SK. They didn't stand a chance. And I think, you know, in, in some of these series, you know, like BDS versus G2 that was a great series you know with a young team that actually was able to punch with one of the top teams in the league SK couldn't really quite find a way to do that against Koi and like I said big credit to them because they were not looking like it. they they are one of the last teams if not the last team to sneak into the the top eight but I think the biggest thing there maybe if you want to just you know. Add kind of something extra onto just the overall dominance that was that SK series, especially. But obviously, getting both two O's, they're a very experienced team. They won the league last year. A lot of that group has been with each other for a while now. So is the only really new guy coming in. And I think experience definitely doesn't matter once you get into those best of stages. If you know how to keep your composure, and something you know a little bit wrong happens, but you're able to keep your cool. You've been there before. You know what's what. But Koi didn't really have to worry about that too much. It was really nice to watch them get back in rhythm. Cause I really I've been a rogue fan for a long time when they were rogue, even when they weren't super great at the start. So it's nice to see Koi just kinda continue it going with this group. Sagenda wasn't elite, but he was fine and you can live with that. What the dog doing?
1: Yeah, and I also want to throw a bit of a shout out here to Game Two versus Vitality, that second series they played where to me this is the bot diff premium version where All around, it was an early game disaster for Vitality, and Koi's bot lane just kind of smurfed it to carry them. So, quick recap. Comp gets a level 1 kill on Kaiser because he started Spell Shield and blocked the Nautilus hook. Bo picked Nidalee for early aggro, but he tries a gank at level 2 and was immediately counter-jungled by Malrang. Like, if you look at the VOD there, it's so funny how their movements are almost identical at that stage, but just a little staggered. It's literally like Malrang was living in Bo's head. And then Bo goes and ganks Larson in the mid lane, but Larson gets out with less than 10 HP. Perks and Kaiser try to dive Trimby, who's by himself under a turret, but Perks misses his Yone ult, and we have that huge, so funny moment where Trimby turbo loud giggles and you can hear that on the broadcast and like by 26 minutes the game is just absolutely over comp has 5.5k gold up on neon his direct lane opponent and even Trimby on the ash had more gold than neon so great way to wrap up the weekend and really solidify the fact that they belong in the top four
0: that clip of trimby laughing was hilarious i didn't want to butt it on you there but yeah, I, I I saw that happen. I was like, oh my goodness! It was literally like a ah, you know, dude was going <laughs> crazy. I love that so much. I, I wish you got to see his player cam more because I think they kind of pivoted off of his like just before he started laughing. So you only got to see like the the other teammates' reactions just as it was rotating through the bottom of the screen, you know. But that was awesome.
1: Love Trimby. And then pivoting into our other candidate for top four here, potential league contenders none other than g2 which to me this doesn't come as too much of a surprise i did predict them last week but i think that it was definitely more one-sided in their two series than i was expecting where in bds that series they sure bds had a pretty good showing in game two of that series Uh, g2 sort of inted it by going for a deep early invade and then from there bds just kind of ran away with it better macro better team play that game overall and then in the mad series They could have very much won game two as well. I think they probably even should have. Seeing that Niski play with the clutch Soraka ult at about 10 minutes or so, that was super hype. But then no more than 30 seconds later, why on earth does he dive a Soraka Draven? He gets silenced by the Soraka. Hansama cashes in 220 stacks of his Draven passive and Immediately deletes the 1K gold lead Karzi has built up over him. Really impressive to beat out Draven's the Hansama Draven, and that's just gone. And then G2 kind of runs away with it from there. So overall, I think it's the big thing that's scary for me coming into these Bo5s is that G2 didn't really have to show much to get here. Where sure they brought out that Lilia pocket pick for the first time. Nobody else was really Loved playing the it. Lilia He got to do it. Loved the Lilia. Exactly. That was
0: so hype.
1: Really really smart thing to do she did get buffed in the latest patch if I remember correctly he gets three out of the five games on it Hansama only had to play Draven against Mad which I mean everybody at this point knows that he on Draven and Mickey on Nautilus is a deadly combo and so overall really good that they went four and one on the week and I expect some new classic in character G2 drafts to come in for now the BO5s
0: Yep, and we don't have to talk about that build, that game at all. That that game never happened for Yike. Never at nope. all. But yeah, like I I almost called it right. Like, I I wanted to call like BDS winning it uh, against G two for the their first series, and I wasn't surprised at all that BDS took the the second game. But man, that game three was a stomp. I mean, I I, I it was hard for me to watch that one for them. But yeah, G two just had another really dominant show, like you said, you know. I I could reiterate a bunch of stuff. I feel like you summed it up pretty good. Yike was super fun to watch. And then it just felt like, you know, just a really confident run of games from G2. And they'll definitely, you know, surprise, surprise, be one of the favorites still going through it. They didn't really falter uh too much at all against uh Vitality. And then, yeah, the game two against BDS was a little bit rough, but they were able to come back in game three and just smash it and completely rebound as you would expect from them. So... Solid jobs both to G2 and Koi for being those first teams to secure their spots in there.
1: Yep, really excited to look forward to that first BO5 between the two of them, which is happening this upcoming weekend on the Monday. So absolutely stay tuned for that. But kind of running next, I I wanted to highlight the two teams that we think are going to join G2 and Koi in that upper echelon the top four there. So Steve, who do you have out of Group A? coming as the runner-up
0: yeah so i think it's gonna be vitality i mean sk versus heretic should be an interesting series i think that it'll i think i think it should definitely go to three to be honest with you i mean sk obviously did get smashed by koi and heretics did put up uh, a pretty decent fight against vitality but i would say that sk probably gets the better of them least i'd like to say that they would I, I think that obviously the regular season form showed that they were the better team, but if you want to ride the the hot hand, you can give it to Heretics. I think it's going to go three either way. And then Vitality should just probably have their way with whoever they want. Um, I, I think, you know, versus SK, I, I, I just don't see them being able to do it with how bad they did look against Koi. I think Heretics is such just an easy enough matchup that they could, you know, find their form versus them. But I wouldn't expect it to be enough to carry through to Vitality. Maybe you want to look at it if Heretics went against Vitality or going into Vitality, that maybe they can kind of take and adapt what they lost uh, to Vitality with and learn from it, try to beat them again. But I think at that point, when you're dealing with something like that, the individual players can probably just step up. And I think, you know, we probably got Photon Bow being some of the best in their position, probably top two at least in their position, if not just the overall best. And I think that when you have a guy like Bo roaming the map to enable perks to be good, help enable him to go around the map, and Neon and Kaiser just being really solid bot lane, Kaiser's been performing super well. I think Vitality just has the clear edge.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go full deranged here. I kind of alluded to this within the NRE circle, but I'm going to go and say that Heretics are going to make it out of the group. And I'll start this off. Yes, my brain is telling me that Vitality should go through. That is the obvious choice, and if I'm if I'm being rational, I would absolutely agree with you, Steve, on that analysis. But in my heart, I'm just I gotta go with Heretics. So, admittedly, I don't have much to say in the SK matchup. I think that should be a very competitive series, and if SK takes it, I I probably wouldn't really be surprised. But I think since we see saw Heretics play against Vitality already, that's kind of what I'm latching onto. Where. In Game 1, Vitality stomped. Game 2, Heretics stomped. Just got a call out that Jack Spectra really smurfed at that game. But Game 3 is sort of where I'm going to highlight where I think it was more unfortunate than anything else for Heretics. Like, I'd say there were two main reasons that they lost. First, it was sort of very back and forth on tempo swings. It was going one way towards Vitality should win, and then Heretics kind of suddenly are in the advantage in the driver's seat. But I felt that it was very noticeable that the drakes were always spawning as heretics were either on a reset timer or on respawns or whatever it is. So Vitality was rarely, if ever, contested on those drakes. They were able to get an easy soul. And second, Vitality's draft in that game sort of gave them an advantage by default in fights. It felt like they they had that Azir on perks and it, it was just... It, the draft should have gone Vitality's way from where I was standing and... As well very sad moment about a minute away from that soul spawning yankos i don't know what he was thinking i i would love to hear from him but he took a really weird blind Viq into a bush gets killed and then it's just an easy soul snowballs from there it's just over so what really differentiates these two teams for me is the fact that vitality is noticeably too aggressive and are open to punishment pretty often and i really want to see heretics beat sk take advantage of that on Vitality if they don't patch it up over the next week. And then I would love to see this dark horse come through.
0: Yeah, I think that definitely could happen. I mean, I think if they can beat SK, like I said before, maybe they do learn and adapt and have that kind of close game where if you want to draw from that, that could be kind of, you know, an easy way to improve. Just, you know, don't lose as hard early game like you did in game one, you know? So I think that it's definitely a possibility. I just got to go with, you know, when you look at the vitality rosters, it's just, I don't see them
1: being able to to get the upset. But
0: you never know; they 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 almost did it. Could happen this time.
1: And then transitioning here into Group B, Steve, I'll let you take the lead on this one again. Who do you think's gonna make it here?
0: I got BDS winning. I mean, I, I, I've talked about me becoming a real fan of theirs. I think they're playing really good. I think that they'll have their way with Astralis, even though Astralis has looked a little bit better since uh that last week kind of finding their form sneaking on in but i think bds will probably have their way with them and then that mad Lions series should be a ton of fun i think that mad Lions are definitely no slouch they're gonna be a team that you know if they if they true bds honestly it wouldn't surprise me because they have that potential with how they've been playing aljoya and niski have looked really really good still that was big for them for the reason that they've been able to do this good hilly has had some really bright moments to Not too many negative moments or int moments. That's been uh, nice for him in that bot lane with Karzi. I think BDS is probably gonna come out being maybe the more well-rounded team. I think if you look at Madlines, there's still like some inconsistency in some moments where you look at certain players and you're like, oh my goodness, what are they doing? You know, Chasey's had some bad moments, but he's also had some great moments too. You know, but like you could kind of go up and down the roster and say that about most of those guys. So I think BDS, you know, you come in and you look at the bot lane with Crowney and Lebron. They are very, very consistent. Crowny has so many great moments. LeBrov does a pretty good job supporting him. I think if there's going to be a spot that can definitely limit BDS, I'd say it would be Adam just because of those crazy picks. If he does end up kind of falling behind and, and, and losing out on it, I think that that could probably handicap them a little bit more than if he's playing a more meta pick. You know, if you're seeing something like Cyan or Cassante, but instead he's playing, you know, Garen or Darius. That could be a little bit more of an issue if you're falling behind on that kind of a champion. And I like what Shio's doing. I think Shio's looking really good. I think Nuke's been fine. He's probably like that second kind of guy where it's like, hey, if there's going to be a, a gap in the team, it's going to be mid lane, uh, especially against Nisky. And if Aljoya really wants to punish him, I think he can definitely do that. But I'm going to give it to BDS. i will probably go to three against Mad Lions, but I got them edging it out.
1: Again, here for Group B, I think that if I'm going with what the paper's telling me, it's got to be Mad Lions. They should be the team that comes out, but I've been listening to you talk for the past couple of weeks. I've been watching them myself, and I'm going to sit with you there on the BDS let's hype train. Aboard. Where let's go all I am full speed ahead with this BDS let's team go. because I, it's kind of like a process of elimination here. They've, we've seen the group play out, and BDS took it to G2 took that one game off of them huge respect mad lions couldn't do that and then mad lions i think they really struggled against astralis of all teams where notwithstanding game one which was a stomp in mad lions's favor to be fair i think game two astralis were always ahead at all points in that game and then game three if not for that weird 20 minute baron where they get one pick they go for it and then they suddenly get wiped and mad lions takes the series I think Astralis really honestly could have won that series, and it's it's crazy to me, but madlines just haven't looked that good. They they straight up lost and against G2, I mean, and I think that when you compare all that stuff that's been going on in the group, BDS should beat Astralis, and then they should beat Mad too. Like this team genuinely looks good now, which absolutely shocked to me. I think in their games, Adam will step up. Or Crowney will step up, Shea will be there to help them, and I absolutely see it going their way. And I think that'll be a good place as any to call it for this week. Thank you to all of you special people that are here at the end. Don't go too far. We'll be here on Spotify every single week for your one-stop armchair analysis of everything LCS and LEC. Follow the show, find us on Twitter at NoRival_esports, underscore and that'll do. Cheers, gamers.